0: yeah, that went off the rails, and I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. that, that went I truly off the... did. I truly did see the announcement about Fire Emblem today, and I was just like, I have to go
1: home because there's no way I can be a functional human being anymore. <laughs> that went off the rails in exactly the right way. Hello, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework, the pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media. I'm one of your co-hosts, Pete Romberg, and today I'm back farming. Uh, Joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host.
0: Martha Sullivan, library manager and surrounded by boxes.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, So today we are going to be doing a bit of a movie Thunderdome. Uh, We have Two different Thunderdome situations happening wherein two movies enter one movie leave uh by this we mean movies that came out at basically the same time with very similar uh premises um just because something same was year in, se- yeah same year um just because something was in the zeitgeist in the ether maybe one movie was sealing off the other in a very quick turnaround who knows um Lots of these examples have been scattered throughout the history of Hollywood. We've got two sort of clear buckets, uh, which we'll be getting into later. But first, before we get into our main event, it's only fair to share with you what is stuck in our heads. That's whatever piece of pop culture we want to be talking about uh, just right now and sharing with each other and sharing with you. Uh, So, Martha, I know you have a triple stuck in your head this week. What things are stuck in your head?
0: So here's the thing. Um, I cheat at this one. I cheat at this category a lot. And this week I really tried. I was like, okay, Martha, you can only pick one. And I thought about it for a very long time. And I was like, nope, can't pick one. Picking only one would not be true to myself, which would simply not be fair to our listeners. So real quick, three stuck in my heads. Number one, new Pokemon game is out. Pokemon Legends Arceus. And it rips. It rules. (laughs) It rules. you about to i was about to drop a swear <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're the first person i've heard say it out loud i always uh, because of my uh latin experience uh, i always read the c as a k sound so i was like arc arceus uh but i say sounds better
0: i was gonna say i have never heard that word spoken out loud that is my best guess uh the game is fantastic um it is really it is it is being described as pokemon by way of breath of the wild and i don't mm. think that's inaccurate um, it's not quite the towering achievement that breath of the Wild was, sure. but it is definitely the most innovative thing that Pokemon has put out in quite some time. It's much more open world. The emphasis is on uh, discovery and learning about stuff rather than necessarily just battles and um, like grinding up your levels. Mm-hmm. I'm having so much fun with it. It's really, really enjoyable, um especially coming off the heels of the new diamond and pearl iterations, which I, they're they're fine. I played those games already. I, I don't necessarily need to play them again.
1: Sure. diamond and pearl are just like cosmetic, uh, updates to a game you've already played. This is like a radically new take on Pokemon in a way. Correct. Cool.
0: Um, number two, the Olympics are happening. I am a basic B. I love figure skating. I have been watching all of it so far. um, They started off with a team event, which is new in the last couple of Olympics that it took me a little bit to wrap my head around, but I actually have come around to really enjoying. It's like a little like a little taste test of everybody's teams, Um, and it gave some people a chance to medal that I don't think will be seeing the podium uh, for their solo events. So I thought that Mm. that that was very cool
1: always got to stand team usa curling a bunch of delightful uh wisconsin and minnesotans who look exactly like you'd expect them to look and uh are defending their gold from last olympics
0: i love joe schuster so much he is team <laughs> he is the u.s olympic team dad he's yep. fantastic Yep. uh he's, he's, he's got the guy to with carry... the great mustache yeah yes he got to carry the flag in during the opening ceremonies and i found out that well i found out that the way you get to be the flag carrier, flag bearer is that your whole country team votes on you so everyone everyone on team usa loves joel schuster i love joel schuster um i i I was thinking
1: he has a man bun and like some tattoos now in addition to his awesome mustache does he i don't know that's i was literally just looking this up for other reasons, and some oh. random article was talking about it, but uh, my sor- my sources are vague and not trustworthy at the moment, so.
0: Yeah, he's like a 40-year-old dad, Yeah. so, I don't know, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I have very mixed feelings about the fact that the olympics are happening at all Mm -hmm. um and also about the fact that they're happening in china Mm -hmm. but also again i am a deeply basic lady at the end of the day and i want to be there for my boys jason brown and nathan Chen. so (laughs) go team usa finally the oscar nominations happened and i have a lot of feelings about them and how much about those feelings I talk about right now will depend solely on whether or not Pete agrees to do an entire Oscar themed episode with me.
1: I thought we were already gonna do that. I just assumed Fantastic. I just assumed that there was gonna be an Oscar <laughs> episode because uh, you are my co-host in this and it would be one you know, a clear case that you had been replaced with a pod person if you were <laughs> like, No, I don't want to do an Oscars episode.
0: Listen, I have a disease. You stoked um, about
1: Belfast?
0: i haven't seen it (laughs) i haven't but belfast confused like belfast was one of the ones that i was like this is pretty much a lock um i am flabbergasted in a bad way that don't look up got nominated for best picture that's insanity Mm -hmm. that movie is not good and the academy needs to come out in theaters no
1: what the? neither did the irishman chill out i i i know but i feel like for for a while the academy was so like me 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 me. we're only about real movies not netflix movies baby baby baby." um so Uh,
0: well i think it probably released in like seven different theaters in la
1: sure enough theaters to get uh on the oscar ticket um to qualify yeah uh, it's bad it's absolutely not a
0: good movie yeah so was the last duel so was those are the two that leap immediately to mind Didn't as being my favorite movies. movies. Last
1: two at least, got uh, the picture nod, right? Or was it Gucci?
2: House of Gucci, dude.
1: Oh, that's weird, but okay. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, whatever. I don't think any of these movies we're currently talking about are actually in contention, uh, but it is wild oh, no. that they got the nod.
0: I was going to say, again, we will talk about this more in depth later, but yeah. it's going to be Power of the Dog, and you can you know mark me on february 9th as having predicted that one
1: (laughs) uh that's fine i still need to watch it but i'm actually really excited to watch it so it will
0: remind you very heavily of when we did a lot of talking about westerns and toxic masculinity (laughs) Uh,
1: great Uh, i was looking forward to it
0: yep i was supposed to make that fast and then i didn't so pete what's stuck in your head
1: this week Um, as I previewed in my intro, um, I'm gonna be really quick, I'm back on my BS of, uh, Stardew Valley. Stardew Valley is a game that both Martha and I have talked about multiple times on this podcast, often as it's stuck in our head, probably as our top media of whatever year it came out, and our, you know, top 100 of everything, um, it's a farming sim on the Nintendo Switch and other video games, and also so much more (gasps) than that, uh there the uh, uh i think your intake of breath might signal that the production company uh is coming out with a new game soon um but that's not oh, the yet. haunted
0: chocolatier i saw the i saw the trailer for that on um concerned apes twitter a couple months ago and i got so excited that i bought stardew valley on my phone
1: <laughs> it's available on the phone <laughs> yes okay well first off i can't know that second off i would i wouldn't want to play it on my phone anyway so that's fine um the
0: gameplay is actually pretty good you can adjust the size of your screen and you just tap on the
1: screen for where you want to I, go and what you want to interact with there's just like never a point when i'm in dire need to play a video game when i have my phone and i don't have access to my nintendo switch um
0: well la do you yeah
1: because I, I don't commute on the train <laughs> or whatever <laughs> um uh Anyway, whatever. It's a farming sim. It's great. It's perfect. I haven't played it. I haven't played the Switch in, like, three months. Uh, I was gathering dust, and over the weekend, I was like, eh, all right, whatever. We'll, we'll pick it up. We'll kill, kill some time. figuring out where I'm at in my farm and what's going on and what I want to do next. Uh, and now I'm just, like, I'm so deep in. I was pulling up the, um, uh, there's a farm mapping app that lets you, uh, or not app, like, it's just a website, that lets you plot out your farm in advance. Um. So it was fall when I started playing October, winter is the time to completely destroy your farm and rebuild it from scratch. So as soon as I got to winter, uh I'm I'm currently in the process of completely rebuilding my farm from scratch. Um and I'm very excited for spring to come now.
0: My goal in Stardew Valley is to always get to a point where I don't have to farm crops anymore.
1: This is my first time getting as fast the, as possible. This is the first time getting that was what are they called? Juminos? Jum? Two minos. Yeah, the the little helper yep. helper spirits. Uh, this is the first time ever building some of their huts so that they do all the crop harvesting for me. Um, and oh, I'm just... I'm
0: sorry, I'm sorry, that's a thing.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. If you go to the wizard tower, you can buy little huts of these helper spirits, and they will harvest all your crops for you. Peter. Uh huh. You have changed you're back everything. Is, you're you're back just when oh, you I thought don't... you were out. <laughs> no i never left
0: (laughs) i never left um i had no idea that was a thing
1: oh yeah oh yeah i'm so excited i like i don't know how it actually works because again it's winter right now uh so i they haven't harvested anything um but i just created i'll send you a picture of my farm's lay of my farm's future layout and you're just gonna be like what is happening this (laughs) changes everything (laughs)
0: uh no my sharp intake of breath was because that i remembered the nintendo direct happened today and i found out there's going to be a sequel to fire emblem three houses
1: oh interesting
0: (laughs) and i lost my mind (laughs) a
1: little bit (laughs) is it called fire emblem four houses
0: it is called fire emblem three hopes and i will i will Eh. uh you know take care that you do not insult my children too much
1: <laughs> i know that you love uh, harry potter meets fire emblem the game um so there's... how, how <laughs> that wasn't dare that you? wasn't an insult every everyone described fire emblem to me as like yeah you know it's like what if you're hanging out with some harry potter houses and then also it's a tactical fighting sim
2: i like
0: mean strategy, you're not so wrong whatever. but yeah. also how dare you
1: <laughs> all right well with that we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna uh, have our first round of movie thunderdome uh where we're gonna be talking about some 80s fantasy east meets west kung fu movies uh, so stick around We are back. So, for our first matchup in this movie Thunderdome, we have two 1980s fantasy martial arts comedy action films uh, that both came out in 1986. The first of which is Big Trouble in Little China, directed by John Carpenter and starring Kurt Russell, Kim cattrall Dennis Dunn, and James Hong. And the second, uh, and that came out in the summer of 86. And the second Fourth is Fourth of July weekend. Fourth of July weekend. Uh, and the second is The Golden Child, directed by Michael Ritchie and starring Eddie Murphy uh, and other people. But Eddie Murphy is the basically the only person on this building. Uh, Charles Dance as the bad guy. Ah uh, Charlotte Lewis and um also Victor Wong, Victor Wong and James Hong are in both of these movies. Um This came out in December of eighty six uh going to give a very quick rundown of both movies and then I'll give the box office score aka sort of like we'll get into a discussion of who won originally and then who won sort of the longer term cultural battle um this one is a clear knockout winner for that first round um Big Trouble in Little China is about truck driver Jack Burton who gets enmeshed in a bunch of uh weirdness uh, you know weird fantasy Chinese mythology stuff happening in San Francisco's Chinatown after he wins a bet against his friend Wang Chi, which leads to him wanting to get some money, driving him to the airport, uh, doing a bunch of other stuff, and eventually uh, um, meeting Kim Cattrall as a love interest uh, and helping uh, his friend Wang Chi save his bride-to-be from the evil David Lopan, a... Ancient Chinese sorcerer who was cursed with both incorporeality and immortality and is trying to get his body back by sacrificing uh one of our two female leads. Um they fight some elemental uh warriors, thunder, rain, and lightning. There are street battles. Uh the entire premise is what if the main character was the sidekick to a different movie but didn't realize it? Um and I don't know, I found it very delightful and fun and funny. Um, I never seen it before. Golden Child is an Eddie Murphy comedy. Uh, it is about a, uh, young Tibetan boy with very Dalai Lama vibes who, uh, has mystical powers, the titular Golden Child, who has been kidnapped by the evil Charles Dance, um, if he is killed, uh, bad things happen, hell on earth, et cetera, et cetera, which Charles Dance wants to have happen because his master is a demon. Uh, meanwhile, in L.A., uh, Eddie Murphy is the chosen one who is chosen to rescue the golden child um, and has a bunch of shenanigans. He refuses to answer the call repeatedly until uh, Charlotte Lewis, um, who is uh, playing in... I'm just gonna go Asian woman because I don't think they were any more specific than that. Uh, I would say Tibetan, like Tibetan, or also maybe Chinese. Um, uh, Anyway, she she brings him uh, around. uh, They go to Tibet. um, Go through some, you know, trials and tribulations, some training courses, uh, and eventually Eddie Murphy uh, saves the day. Uh, this movie was not good in my opinion. Uh, it had a pretty good soundtrack, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I believe both Martha and I had one moment in the film that we laughed at, and I'm curious to see if it was the same moment. Um, in terms of box office and critical reception, The Golden Child absolutely destroyed Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, Golden Child uh, had a, a global box office of 150 million dollars off a let's call it 25 million dollar budget. Um, Big Trouble. I think it was like. 38 million okay uh, w- uh wiki is saying 12 to 24.5 but i could also see oh, thirty eight. okay yeah um big trouble Cheap, had a- cheaper <laughs> Cheap, yeah big trouble n- cheaper but not by much uh 19 to 25 million dollar budget and made a whopping uh 11.1 million dollars at the u.s box office uh there's no real good global figures for big trouble um Uh, And I guess I should say Golden Child only made 80 at the U.S. box office, but 150 globally, so, you know, whatever. Um, Big Trouble opened 12th, its opening weekend, which, and Golden Child opened first, because it's an Eddie Murphy vehicle. Um, So, uh, also, critically, Golden Child had generally better reviews at the time, we're gonna get into it, but uh, Roger Ebert gave it much better reviews than Big Trouble, which I think is friggin' wild. Uh, Big Trouble was not without its supporters at the time, but um, sort of across the board, Golden Child had a better both critical and commercial uh, consensus when it uh, arrived than Big Trouble. Um, There's a lot of fun sort of behind-the-scenes stuff. Big Trouble was pushed... Um, into production very quickly There was almost no studio oversight uh carpenter could do basically whatever he wanted because uh fox the studio producing it knew that the golden child was coming out and they wanted to get big trouble out before it uh just to beat it to the the theaters um on the other hand uh fox released big trouble like two to three weeks before it released aliens which is where all its um advertising and promotional money was going so uh carpenter has always felt salty about that and kind of thinks that fox screwed him over with that release date um that's enough behind the scenes nonsense i'd never seen either of these movies before i was excited to watch big trouble not excited to watch golden child uh martha how about you Uh, i assume that you'd never seen either of these before either
0: that is correct and here is my hot take both of these are bad movies oh Here is my other hot take. The Golden Child got critically a better reception when it was released because no matter how bad it is, it has a story that makes sense. (laughs) You can follow this story from point A to point B. Because it's a classic Um, hero
1: narrative, right?
0: Big Trouble in Little China not only makes no sense, but it it is in that class of movies... That I call that i I like to refer to as not making sense in a very hostile way,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like well no that's that's not true because it's not a hostile movie, but it it's aggressively shaggy. it aggressively does not make sense it it like dares you to try and make sense of what is happening and just laughs in
1: your face when you try i I agree with that, but I you take that as a negative, and I take that as a positive. I think it's a lot I, of fun that it's like like and repeatedly. You know, uh, uh, Kurt Russell's character is like, what's going on? And other characters like, don't worry about it. And I feel like that's that's a great both like joke and also telling the audience like, whatever, you'll never understand the weird beholder thing that's floating in the hallway for some reason in the third act that's never explained. Roll with it. It's fine.
0: I did not enjoy watching it. I did not enjoy
1: watching either of these movies. Bummer.
0: Um, I will say.
1: Yeah, was one better than the other in your, like, oh, obviously you yes. didn't enjoy either, but you preferred X over Y?
0: Oh, yeah. It, it is not It is not hard for me to understand why Big Trouble in Little China has become the fan favorite that it is. Like, mm-hmm. as much as I did not super enjoy the experience of watching it, I understand why other people do. Mm-hmm. And at least the actors in Big Trouble seem to be enjoying themselves in the process of making this movie Mm -hmm. whereas no one involved in golden child was enjoying the process of making that movie
1: (laughs) no eddie murphy has like literally three years after that movie came out uh three to five years eddie murphy was like listen my movies make money golden child was awful but it made 100 million dollars yes and that that wasn't like 20 years later that was like you know two movies later
0: And I, I will say, I enjoy a, I enjoy a dirty, rough and tumble Kurt Russell. For my money, I'll take Escape from New York over this.
1: Um, Escape from New York. He's playing almost the opposite character. Where in Escape from New York, it's like Snake Plissken. I thought you died, and in I Big Trouble, you it's like dead. Jack Burton. Who's Jack Burton? <laughs>
0: Except for that weird opening scene, which I guess they added because people like wanted the movie to be nicer to Kurt
1: Russell it was literally, for some reason. The studio was great. I'm glad you brought that up. The studio was worried that Kurt Russell wasn't a big enough character in the movie, and that basically there wasn't enough white guy starring in this movie. Um, so the studio was like, you need to make Kurt Russell a bigger deal, um, but we don't really care how you do it. And so Carpenter did a thing that both did that and also undermined him. I was going to say, it's time? stupid.
0: Like, they sh- they should have just opened on the truck driving scene. Right,
1: because the movie is a frame story of beginning and ending with him doing his truck driver, like CB radio thing.
0: And we never returned to that attorney's office.
1: No, no. <laughs> because again, it's like the studio <laughs> wanted him to do a thing. He technically did the thing, but the studio gave him almost total carte blanche because they were just like, get the movie out before Golden Child and we don't care. Um, and so Um, he made exactly the movie he wanted to make
0: which i guess good for him yeah um for my money the absolute best line reading in the entire movie goes to kim cattrall for when she shows up in the apartment after the airport scene Mm -hmm. where the uh people abduct um jack russell's er, um, (laughs) or kurt russell's friend's fiance and she goes it's me gracie lee like i the viewer am supposed to have any idea what that means
1: there there are repeat like multiple characters multiple (laughs) times are just like like the description of like david lopin it's uh, the the bad guy it's like david lopin he's untouchable and then some other characters like you mean the david lopin who owns this store and this other store and hasn't been seen in public for fear of of assassination in 20 years it's like oh my god this is everyone knows what movie they're in and it's amazing i was
0: gonna say sometimes there is like egregious over explanation and then sometimes there's just like and now we have this character doing stuff but we're not going to tell you why it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of expositional inconsistency was one of the things that bothered me it's like either take me along for this ride or don't Mm. but don't kind of cherry pick what i get to understand and what you're not going to take the time for Mm, mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: because i also like could not figure out the system by which certain things were like this is important for you to know about but other stuff is not
1: (laughs) that smoking thing a magic potion yeah were you gonna drink it yeah cool (laughs) don't worry about it yeah like just just drink it it's great um so as as i i might have mentioned uh on the sh- like on air and definitely off air big trouble in little china was 12th at the box office uh when it was released and the f- number one movie at the box office the week it came out was karate kid 2 so this is just a time the the mid late 80s was a time when america was super into like i'm going to say in scare quotes like asian movies eats east meets west kind of stories um so both of these are definitely tapping into that general zeitgeist um many of those movies are now very problematic when when you know watched today to me the golden child definitely fell into that category of just being like "Uh, this like a it's not funny eddie murphy is seems asleep the jokes aren't good, but also I'm just cringing all the time. Um, well,
0: be- mostly because a lot of the humor comes from insulting or making fun of the Asian mysticism that it's drawing from. Yes. So a lot of the humor is like, ha ha, look how weird this is. And I'm like, mm, that's not great. Also, guys.
1: all the all the Asian people, and I'm, I'm using Asian in broad terms here because I think the movie is kind of considering them in those broad terms. Um, they're all speaking in like bad american impressions of what you know quote-unquote chinese people would sound like um and it's not helped that uh the 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 female lead is played by charlotte lewis who is a english um uh i think she yeah she's half chilean half iraqi um so you know (laughs) she is (laughs) uh whereas in big trouble everyone is speaking with an american accent there's a, a scene where kurt russell is like do you speak english or something and the the random dude is like yeah in a completely flat san francisco accent um
0: i mean i i think it is a strength of big trouble that it takes place in the united states like they don't make any effort to try and take us to an exotic locale it's just no this is the stuff that we brought with us
1: yeah so well, and also they're... like everyone is is or not everyone, most people are, like, multiple generation American, too. Mm -hmm. So there's no, you know, there is not a lot of the, like, Mickey Rooney accent going on. Um, Except for in, like, the people who are supposed to be ancient Chinese sorcerers, right? So that makes a little more sense. Um, So, in my mind, like, Big Trouble feels far, also the fact that, like, Kurt Russell is Base, and Kim Catrell are, like, the only white people in this movie. Um, and everyone else has a pretty, like... Everyone is given a lot of things to do. Like, all, all the characters are given things to do and have a bit of interiority. Whereas in Golden Child, Eddie Murphy is the hero. Charles Dance is the villain. And everyone else is just there to sort of, like, further the plot or be a love interest.
0: And because... um. Kurt Russell's love interest is Kim Cattrall. There, I I didn't really see a fetishization of the Asian women in Big Trouble. Like they're they're beautiful women. Oh well, except for when they go to the 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 brothel. brothel. Yeah, but that's sort of like that was more like
1: plot than like fetishization. I was going to say
0: that's plot, and it's not really filmed to be sexy. It's filmed to be really awkward because Kurt Russell is really awkward there. So like. Even that they're not like hanging out, looking at a bunch of fetishized TNA, and then in
1: whereas in Golden, Golden Child we get like <laughs> a wet a wet shirt and like some upskirt shots, right? Of like of again are not actually Chinese main character or like not actually Asian main character.
0: But yeah, and and then Eddie Murphy and she are supposed to be set up as love interests. They have negative chemistry.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah it's yeah when they finally got together i was like wait is this a fever dream that eddie murphy's having no it's actually it's actually happening in the movie oh that's weird because i didn't i didn't understand that there was supposed to be any connection between them at all um
0: i mean he eddie murphy has that conversation with the old guy about like how do i make it clear to one of your people that i am interested in spending the rest and i was like mm. yeah again this ain't it um yeah. but I thought he and that old guy had more like hate chemistry well, and that, than he had with
1: <laughs> That was after that was mm-hmm. after they'd already slept together. Um Yeah. Also that, that old guy played by Victor Wong, who played uh Egg Shen in Big Trouble. Um mm-hmm. similarly, uh James Hong played the Doctor, it, like the the Doctor of magical mysticism in The Golden Child. Uh and he played uh Lopan in um Big Trouble. So uh two great character actors who had a great year financially i hope (laughs) i hope man or or at the very least had fun um get paid uh i will also say almost so subverting like the the fetishization of like asian women in big trouble is um the other white woman in the movie uh played by kate burton a reporter who i don't know is there for uh you know plot reasons like explanation reasons um ends up with uh uh wang chi's sort of friend and it's one of the few cases and especially rare in the 80s where a um like a caucasian woman and an asian man would be together because there was a deep sense of like asian men are somehow effeminate or less than or not like actually manly enough to certainly not to win over like a white woman Um, i mean
0: that that attitude still persists
1: exactly exactly so like i i saw that happening kind of midway through big trouble and i was like oh are they going in this direction because that'd be cool she had
0: my other favorite well she and um wang chen Mm -hmm. had my other favorite line exchange in the movie when she says huh i must be almost the line is something like I must be almost ridiculously naive. And he just turns to look at her and it's says like, flatly, you are. You are. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is so good.
1: Similarly, um, Kurt, like Kurt also at one point is like, I feel like I'm out of my element here. And everyone's like, yep, you are. You
0: are. Um, the only time I laughed out loud in Golden Child is when Eddie Murphy is approaching his trial to go get the dagger that they're going to exchange for the kid. And he's he's kind of saying the rules under his breath to himself. And he says, only men of pure, only men, pure of heart can enter. And he sees the door he has to go through. er, Only men, pure of heart and only men narrow of ass can (laughs) can enter this corridor. And at that line, I laughed.
1: That's that's good. Eddie Murphy, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the one time he was awake on set uh yeah
0: i enjoyed that
1: (laughs) i i did laugh when he was going through like customs with the dagger um i thought it was a good set piece i thought it was a clever bit where it's like uh, sorry going through customs in nepal um or uh tibet um where it's like in many in every other movie we'd hand wave getting the magic dagger back and in this movie they're like no yeah you can't just like even in the 80s you can't just get on a plane with a dagger and bring that across country line like, you know, international borders. You could probably get on a plane in one state and bring it to another state, uh, because, you know, the eighties airports, weird. Um But it's like, yeah, I'm glad we're we're doing that. The bit was funny and then it quickly became too much, but you know, it it worked for, for a minute or two.
0: Um, can we talk for a minute about the fighting? Because both of these, I think think that they're action movies. But The fighting in Golden Child is bad. Like, it's boring, and it's... Like, the the fighting is
2: not dynamic or interesting.
1: Yeah. And it's, um... It's weird what becomes fights and what doesn't. Like, we have a very prolonged fight in, like, the... The drug den of a biker gang? Which is, like... (laughs) Why did that take ten minutes? I don't know. That's where uh, we have the... Uh, the fun wet shirt scene for Charlotte yeah. Lewis. So you know, I guess that's why that scene exists and takes as long as it does. Um, but yeah, like it's it's not interesting and it's weird the choices of like when to fight and when not to fight.
2: Yes,
0: like I much prefer some. I I if I'm watching a kung fu movie, I would much rather watch something like Big Trouble, where it's like the the excuse for fighting is just that we're in a kung fu movie yeah so it's like either you should either be settling everything via punch fights or (laughs) giving me a compelling reason why you're doing it yeah like it either you it the reasoning can be paper thin but it has to be happening all the time because that's what kind of movie we're watching. And I never really got that sense from The Golden Child.
1: Well, like, like big trouble, the fighting is happening because, like, we have to go down into the lair and then get back out from the lair. So there's a clear reason, like, these are the bad guys, these are good guys. Like, this, like the motorcycle fight thing, it's like, I don't know, what's going on here? And then, like, Charles dances whole crew. Uh, I don't know, like, sometimes they'd show up and, and cause trouble, and then sometimes they wouldn't, and... And very, then again the fighting
2: choreography was just not good. It was yeah. not fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um but let us turn our attention now to
0: how so Golden Child was in out of the gate box office smash that now no one really talks about anymore.
1: It has been entirely forgotten as we mentioned Eddie Murphy has been like that movie sucks he did not use he used a different s-word to describe it um (laughs) uh and and i think anyone watching like people watching it now there's that big cringe element of just like this did not age well like it's not good it's not funny it did not age well the only good thing to say about it in my mind is the music but john carpenter did the music for big trouble so that's just better (laughs)
0: um <laughs> yeah like there's literally a scene in this movie where eddie murphy whines about how much he doesn't like being in nepal and it's like really did we have to there's like have three to? scenes
1: in the movie where he whines about not liking being in nepal <laughs> yeah <laughs> um
0: whereas on the flip side we have big trouble in little china that has not only become a cult classic but has spawned like un- an ongoing comic series spinoff mm-hmm. like this has multiple media properties that have been born from it.
1: Um, written, it like is written by John Carpenter and, and still about um, uh, Jack uh, Burton. Um, the Rock it is. has bought the, the film rights to it, although uh, he, he wants
0: to remake it with John Carpenter and John Carpenter
1: is kind of like, eh. well, first <laughs> off, good on you, John Carpenter uh he's uh, the rock has also said that he doesn't anticipate himself like if this ends up getting you know made again or whatever he doesn't want to be jack burton he would want to just make another movie in the big trouble universe starring the rock which um a sounds dumb b sounds better than just remaking this with the rock
0: i don't think he would be a good
1: he'd be a terrible jack burton because the point of jack burton is that he fails at everything he does and the rock does he though other than the final scene when he kills lopan he does not succeed at anything he tries to do in the movie uh because Uh like the like carpenter envisioned this movie as what if it's about a a sidekick who doesn't realize he's a sidekick and that's kurt russell's like jack burton is a sidekick who doesn't know he's a sidekick and who thinks the movie is all about him but well it's not the
0: movie is it is though. Like I,
1: mean, it's, he's, I have he's the point I, of view character. So yes. like it follows him, but like yes. this is the this is the Wang Chi movie that happens to have Jack Burton as the guy narrating the events. So it's from it's from the Jack have, Burton POV.
0: So I have trouble with that okay. because because like the way that storytelling works because it's from his POV he gets the majority of the screen time. He is who we're following. Like,
2: there is a different movie where Wang Chi is the lead. It's not this movie. Mm. Like, he is.
1: I, like, I, I, I... Under-
0: I understand what people mean when they say that. Mm-hmm. I just have trouble reconciling that with the fact that he is who the majority of the action centers around. Like, he is the one that is helping like he is helping wing chi he's the one that pushes the action forward i don't
1: think he does push the action forward though like he's always he's he's not he's the, the reason. reason
0: it all starts though like no he isn't like he he isn't ins- the movie happens because he insists on driving Wang chi to the airport
1: but Wang chi's girlfriend would have been kidnapped regardless
0: Right, but then we wouldn't be watching that movie because Jack Burton wouldn't have been involved.
1: Right, like, I've I've heard this movie described, like, I've I've heard, the way that I understand this in a way that clicks for me is that you could airlift Jack Burton out of this movie, and the events in the movie would still take place basically how they take place, um... Like, when, sure. when she would still go to the airport and his girlfriend would still be kidnapped and then he'd still try to go rescue her. And like, like, so in that sense, Jack Burton is not the inciting incident at all. He's just like, and at no point is he driving the plot forward in the sense that, like, he, he is he is happy to go along with anyone else's. Like, you know, adventure, because he thinks it's his adventure. So he's he's because... going to jump headfirst into it.
0: I mean, but from an audience's point of view, it is his
1: his adventure. adventure. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a, it's such a different take than The Golden Child, where like Eddie Murphy has to be dragged kicking and screaming into everything. Uh, Oh, yeah.
0: And, and the fact that Eddie Murphy is the, like, the chosen one. Like, it's, which is, it is different from that. And I do think that they get credit for that. But I also, I, I really don't buy the, like, he's actually the sidekick. Like, he is in a different movie, but in this movie, he's the audience's main character, and I don't know sure. that there's a substantive enough difference between that syntax and the movie's main character.
1: That's fair. Like, that's that's fair. I, I think the idea of, like, the, the sidekick thing is that, like, you could have made this movie where he's the sidekick and not changed a single thing, whereas you sure, could not make... They didn't. Uh, like they did go- right, right, But, like, you could not make The Golden Child where Eddie Murphy is the sidekick, and... You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that would be completely different. Right. Um and I I do appreciate that um Big Trouble in Little China actually feels like John Carpenter may have talked to a Chinese person.
1: Apparently they took out some elements in the script. Uh, Carpenter took out some elements in the script that were uh offensive to uh Chinese Americans.
0: And so, if you yes. pay attention to the credits, actual Asian people worked on that movie. Mhm. Yeah. Which cannot be said for the Golden Child.
1: Speaking of credits, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the guy who directed *Buckaroo Banzai* um, basically did a page one rewrite of the script, but only gets uh, adaptation credits because of nonsense, like because of WGA uh, screenwriting uh, crediting things. Um, But I know, I know that you like *Buckaroo Banzai*.
0: I do, and these movies—that it is definitely—they are definitely. Of the same school of filmmaking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the the yeah. The behind the scenes on this movie is wild. I'm not gonna go too deep into it here. Um, go check out the wiki or whatever if you wanna go deeper into it. Um But unless you have anything else you wanna say about Big Trouble and Golden Child, uh, other than to put a bow on it and say that like Big Trouble has won the long-term fight, even though it hilariously lost the uh the original fight. Uh, in this movie, Thunderdome. Um, oh
0: yeah, yeah. Big Trouble. Big Trouble continues to be culturally relevant in a way that The Golden Child hasn't been in a really long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, all yeah. right. Why, why don't you talk about the two movies uh, that you picked and which were the instigating movies for this uh, this episode?
0: All right. So in 1998, we had a duo of astronomical disaster movies. Um first, I don't actually know when they released. Oh, yes I do. So, so okay, can... Deep Impact comes out on my birthday, May 8, no. 1998. Um it is made for 80 million dollars. It earns 350 million dollars internationally at the box office. It is the story of a comet hurtling towards Earth that scientists see and attempt to warn people
2: about um we have marcus wolf played by
1: oh you're trying to look up the him oh no uh he's like nobody um
0: oh yeah he's not but more importantly we have leo betterman played by elijah wood
1: <laughs> yeah who
0: find who discover the comet it's hurtling towards earth Uh, We have Tom Beck, the President of the United States, played by Morgan Freeman, who initiates a disaster plan. So this plan has two prongs. We have the Messiah, a co-project between the United States and Russia, whose aim is to drill a nuclear bomb into the comet in order to knock it off course. When this plan fails uh rather than knocking it off course it splits the comet into two uh and kills two of our astronaut team uh we have plan b which involves um secreting a million americans into an underground shelter uh elijah wood is dating sarah played by Lily sobieski um who he marries to try and get her into the underground bunker with him they won't let her family so the two of them end up staying on earth to watch as the first part of the broken comet hits the ocean creates a giant tsunami that kills millions of people um the uh larger piece of the comet um is destroyed by the remnants of the original messiah crew so it upon entry into the earth's atmosphere uh, burns up harmlessly and saves the rest of the world so simply millions of people died instead of the entire earth dying
1: my favorite part of your synopsis there is that is that it entirely ignored the tia leone arc which is like 40% 40% of the movie.
0: <laughs> Listen, Ta Leoni plays a journalist. She's not nearly as interesting to me as Elijah Wood and Lily Sobieski. <laughs> um, also opening in opening July 1st, 1998, we have Armageddon, which was made for $140 million and grossed $554 million. Internationally. Uh, It was the highest grossing film of 1998, Uh, and it features a giant comet hurtling toward, well, maybe they call it an asteroid. I don't know what the difference is. Um,
1: I I do, but I don't need to get into this right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so a giant asteroid hurtling towards Earth, Um, NASA executive Dan Truman, played by Billy Bob Thornton, hires- Hires Bruce Willis and his team of scrappy redneck drillers, also to so go good, <laughs> drill a hole in the asteroid to plant a nuclear bomb in it to blow it up. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? Uh, the difference is that Bruce Willis's team also uh, captained or also filled out by uh, Ben Affleck, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan,
1: William, and Fichtner. Peter Stormare. Yeah, Peter Stormare is a Russian. William Fichtner is, Fichtner is the, uh, uh, you know, the NASA guy. Uh, this cast is great.
0: Yes. Um, so Jason after, Isaacs
1: is a scientist.
0: After a disastrous landing on the asteroid in which they think that half their team is gone, um, Bruce Willis starts on what feels like a hopeless endeavor to drill down into the comet. Asteroid, sorry. Um, later. Ben Affleck, who is engaged to Liv Tyler, who is Bruce Willis's daughter back on Earth, um, is able to recover the other part of their drill, reconnect with Bruce Willis's drilling team, um, get the hole drilled, only to discover that because they'd had to disable the automatic explosive during a confrontation earlier in the movie, that it has to be manually reset, and despite Steve Buscemi volunteering to be the person that stays behind. Listen, he
1: has space madness, so I wouldn't rely on him to blow up a bomb.
0: All I'm saying is that All I'm Bruce saying is Willis this movie
1: uses the term space madness, and I'm here for it.
0: Bruce Willis needlessly sacrifices himself in a scene that makes me weep helplessly every single time to manually blow up the bomb, destroy the asteroid and save the Earth.
1: This movie has a screenplay credit by J.J. Abrams.
0: Here's the thing about both of these movies. <laughs> both of these movies are good.
1: Ooh. I I love Armageddon. I don't know if I can say the same thing about Deep
2: okay. Impact. Okay. The problem
0: with Deep Impact is that it didn't... Tr- it, Deep Impact didn't really understand the assignment. Like, Armageddon is nonsense. Yeah. But... Michael is like, Bay. You like Michael Bay?
1: Great. Have fun. Um
0: Like the people who made Armageddon understood the assignment. They're like, you know what? The science
2: It's it's well, so it's fine. Be- like don't
0: think about it too hard. But this is a movie that is about action set pieces. It is about Bruce Willis being a hero. It is about, it's about men being snappy men. one-liners. It is about Will Patton breaking my heart like he does in every single movie. Um, it is 100% about like the ridiculousness of the situation and the triumph of the human spirit. Deep Impact is a very smart emotional movie that is about the connections between people that also unfortunately is a disaster movie yeah. but it doesn't i don't think it like it succeeds at all of the character stuff but because we're still in a disaster movie it has to succeed at that part too and that's the part that i don't think it gets
1: there on so because these movies came out like you know within months of each other there was the big discussion of like oh which one's more scientifically accurate or not um and as you and mentioned it's deep impact yeah like well like it's deep impact by a country mile if for no other reason than um comets actually you know could hit the earth because of their things like because of the way they they uh you know rotate around the sun asteroids not so much Um, fair enough uh but but also like for everything else on the other hand there were some things in deep impact that just hit very different in 2022 than they would have in 1998
0: um i'm I'm actually really bummed that I watched Don't Look Up so close to Deep Impact. Mm. Because I haven't seen that yet,
1: so. But but spoil away, because whatever.
0: Well, I don't love it. Mm -hmm. I don't love Adam McKay. I don't love his whole deal. There are some really good parts of it, and I think that somewhere in between Deep Impact and Don't Look Up, you get the emotional story that deep impact is going for like both of them are movies that are focusing on like the emotional resonance of the human experience while this disaster is happening yeah um but don't look up kind of sidelines the disaster part and i think deep impact needed to kind of let go of more of the disaster
2: pieces
1: so like my my two I'm trying to think this through like my two big critiques were with, with deep impact one of which is not its fault uh, and it's just the fact that the past like i don't know two to ten years have made me just like deeply cynical about humans reaction to big things like this is that um there are so, like you know first off there was a line of like with morgan freeman aka the best president on film if nothing else <laughs> deep impact gave us morgan freeman as as the president and that that you know, deserves a medal for if, if for no other reason. Um, but like he's, he's doing a press conference about like, yep, uh, comment's going to hit the earth, but don't worry. We have a plan. Work will continue as usual. I'm freezing all wages and prices. Uh, everything will be fine. And it's like, oh yeah, no, that's not what would happen at all. (laughs) Um, uh, first off the presidency doesn't have that power. And second off, uh, cool. Uh, but also then it's like, yep, our plan didn't work. We're going to put a million Americans in bunkers. Everyone else. Good luck. Uh, And there's no chaos, there's no rioting in the streets, there's no attempts to get into the bunker by people who aren't allowed, other than, like, the sweet little Elijah Wood thing. Um, And that's the part that that the past, you know, decade or so of my lived experience, where I'm just like, that's so deeply unrealistic, that's that's so optimistic a take on how we as Americans would react to this event, um, that I don't believe it. Did you see 2012 i didn't
0: so 2012 has a sequence where we find out that the world governments have been the world governments in conjunction with the ludicrously wealthy people of the world because that's how this would work um have been building um giant giant boat yeah giant arcs um and there is a scene where the workers finish working on the boats Mm -hmm. and immediately mob them yep because none of those people who built the boats are going to be invited yep. to be on them. Yep,
1: yep. <laughs> but they have
0: all been, like, planning on how they're... Like, they're, there's this um, implication that they've, they're all like, well, and then this is how I'm going to get on that boat. Um, but yeah, that was a much more, like, that panicked kind of, um, like, mob rush is probably more... <laughs> Yeah. how that would go
1: yeah um my other my other thought on this is that it's too be, because you're right it's it's trying to talk about the human connection and like the like human you know adversity through triumph and all or through through you know difficulty uh sorry human triumph through adversity um and all the rest of it and i think it's too scattershot like you know in in your in your Overview of the movie, you're talking about the Elijah Wood arc, and then there's the the Messiah arc, and then there's like all the other stuff, and then there's the Tia Leone arc, and it's it's I think it's one too many spread out pieces where like as a character study of of like I understand that all these people are like working as little like snapshots into the human experience, and we need to have like multiple scenes with all of them to like have that growth over time and share and have deep emotional impact and all the rest of it. Um But by the end, it just makes a movie that's that stretch too thin. And I think it's like, I don't have any deep emotional connection to any of these characters because we've been spreading it out too much. Um, Or maybe they're just badly written characters. I don't know.
0: I think what needed to happen is I think that we needed to cut the astronaut team from being actual characters. Like if they had just told us about what was happening on that ship
1: without us
0: needing to be on that ship.
1: You're totally think, right, but then you're not getting a budget of $80 million, and you're definitely not getting greenlit, because why are you having a, an asteroid movie without showing us trying to blow up the astro- well, asteroid? Well, and
0: that's the thing, is that I don't think, like, this movie is, this movie is trying to be a disaster movie, and I think that that does it a disservice. Yeah. I, I think that it should have just leaned into not
1: being a disaster I, movie. I will say, the comet looked beautiful in this. Oh, yeah. Every time we oh, looked yeah, at the, that, I'm I like, mean, you oh, can it's like a jellyfish it. in space. You can see the money on
0: the screen. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that Armageddon works so much better is that it is totally ridiculous, but it is also much simpler. Like we stay, we basically have one group of characters that we stay with the
1: whole time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And... Yeah, that simplicity, that cleanness means that they can talk about like science nonsense, and I kind of don't care because the actual plot of the movie is so simple.
1: Right, because at that the end like, of the day, you you're going to put a hole in a rock, and you're going to put a bomb in the hole, and then... Yeah, please
0: tell me. Please tell me more about how NASA doesn't know anything about drilling, and that's why your (laughs) redneck company has to be the ones to go into space. Martha, it's
1: easier to train some drillers to be astronauts than it is to train (laughs) astronauts how to be drillers. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That line,
0: that is that sequence is such nonsense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I was going back and forth <laughs> over whether this is Michael Bay's best movie, and I have a very soft spot in my heart for The Rock, but I think this and The Rock are in are are the two you know choices for Michael Bay's best movie, and part of it is that um, this is before either Michael Bay or his editor uh, discovered cocaine, and so therefore we have take we, we have shots that last more than two seconds. Which by the time we get to the end of Michael, like Michael Bay's current stuff, we're just cutting so quickly uh, that it's just a a editing hodgepodge nightmare. Uh, Whereas in this, you have, you know, it's still like a very quick take. It's still very clearly a Michael Bay movie. I love his use of lighting and color. um, But it's, and, and also his spinning camera. Like, I think he invented, for better or worse, the modern day, like, action movie visual language. Um, oh absolutely yeah. but this well, this this does it well and it's before it becomes like too like rapid fire
0: all look i will still go to the mat for the first transformers movie that's a i i will i hear what you're saying though and what i enjoy about this one is that it is it has it is not afraid to have quiet moments like yes. this movie unlike deep impact this movie is unquestionably a disaster action movie Um, But it still has quiet moments that let you care about the characters. And because our field of characters is smaller, we can have fewer of those, but they still make a (laughs) deep impact. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I've never seen The Rock.
1: Oh, it's... um,
0: I feel like I would enjoy it.
1: I, I think you would. It's a movie that lets you know in the first ten minutes whether you all enjoy it or not, so what uh, year did it come out? Before Armageddon.
0: That's fine. I'm just I'm watching a movie this year for every year that I've been alive that I've never seen.
1: Gotcha. So, um yeah, so I, I know I think it was the one he made right- um on his wiki right now. Uh ninety six. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It was his I've already uh,
0: seen I've already seen the best movie that came out in nineteen ninety six, so that'll be that'll be good.
1: What came out in I don't have 96's phonography in my head. What's the best movie?
0: Independence Day. Oh, that's
1: a great movie. Uh, speaking of, yeah. we were, we were going to have Independence Day and Mars Attacks as uh, one of our Thunderdome movies, but we didn't want to have two different pairs of 1990s uh, sci-fi, uh, sci-fi, sci-fi space disasters. disasters. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: But yes, Independence Day is one of the best movies ever made. And it is certainly one of the best movies that came out in 1996.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with the second thing give the rock a try and if um like by the third scene that nick cage is in you're like this isn't working for me then it's not working for you well i will
0: tell you everything nick cage does works for me so
1: cool um yeah he's like basically introduced in in the rock like having sex with his girlfriend and talking about the beatles so uh that might that's It's like
0: wild at heart
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's either before I, i i don't remember if that's the first scene or the second scene in which case the other scene is him like diffusing a biological weapon
0: (laughs) perfect love (laughs) it yeah (laughs)
1: yeah um
0: (laughs) but so just going back to and and we have kind of touched on this already but armageddon was the winner well actually i don't know that the winner is as cut and dry for the bot for like for the box office, because Armageddon made more money, but it also cost more money to make.
1: Right, I, so, I think the, ra- the ratio for Armageddon is still higher, but Deep Impact still made, like, three times its budget back, unlike Big Trouble, which literally lost money. Um,
0: and I, I do think it's interesting that people are still... People do still talk about Deep Impact, but it usually comes up as that other asteroid movie that came out the same year as Armageddon. I,
1: I will tell like, you, I, I did not see either of these in theaters. I saw Armageddon... Sh- shortly after it came out on what i have to imagine was vhs uh because 1998 um mm-hmm. i would have bet at least 50 dollars that leonardo dicaprio was in deep impact
0: um um you I said that i, and I looked why, up but... i looked up what he was doing that year which meant that he couldn't be in deep impact
1: mm-hmm.
0: let me pull up his imdb page again
1: well i, I think what happened was like i I remembered Elijah Wood from like commercials at the time because like you know I was I was old enough to like remember both of these movies and like their advertising campaign and all the rest of it, um, and I remember it's like okay it's a young kid heartthrob type in romantic lead situation, and my brain just went like Leonardo DiCaprio obviously uh, <laughs> because in 1998 I didn't know who Elijah Wood was. So yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure I saw both of these in theaters.
1: Mm. Um,
0: I definitely saw both of them at home. Mm -hmm. Um, because my dad fast forwarded through the sequence where Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are flirting with animal crackers. I had to
1: say that was a very hot scene. Like, I did not anticipate Michael Bay to be able to create a scene that was that hot. Uh, in Uh, a like in a PG-13 way.
0: So they probably couldn't afford Leonardo DiCaprio because 1998, he's coming off of Titanic. He's right. making The Man in the Iron Mask and he's mm-hmm. making that weird celebrity movie. But then again, he comes back and makes The Beach. He makes Gangs of New York. He makes Catch Me If You Can. Great I think movie. That, Gangs of
1: New York is a great movie.
0: I think Leo was already beyond that movie in terms of star
1: power. I think so too. And probably in terms of age. I think he like... He, Yeah, I think he he would have been too old. Yeah, like he's past the age of being able to play a a high schooler. Um but for whatever reason, in my my brain. Right. right. Well, and this is right before Lord of the Rings. Rings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh in my brain though, Deep Impact had had uh uh DiCaprio, and so if you wanted to make a quick, I don't know, literally a hundred dollars off of me like two weeks ago, you could (laughs) have been like, yo, was Leo in Deep Impact hundred bucks on this? I would have been like, easy money, yes he was.
0: that's incredible yeah um but yeah so why do we think that do we have any other thoughts on why we think armageddon has stuck around I in mean, a I, way that deep impact hasn't
2: i think we've talked also, about it. Like, i feel it's, like...
1: it's a cleaner film right like first off like michael bay invented the visual language and even just like the like not aesthetics but like the uh, the um the sensibilities of the modern day action movie and Armageddon is one of those movies that created those aesthetics and those sensibilities. So it's still there. Also the music video for whatever song it was with.
0: I don't want to miss a thing. There by we Aerosmith.
1: go. I thought it was an Aerosmith song. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> um, like that's still like a joke. Like it's, it's a joke, but it's a joke that still gets cultural reven like resonance with people our age. Um,
0: I also think that part of the problem, it goes back to my earlier point in that deep impact is not as pure of a disaster movie. So Mm -hmm. like Armageddon shows up on a lot of best disaster movies and best action movies of the nineties. And deep impact is not enough of one thing or another to be making those same kind of retrospective lists.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like the, the cultural impact of deep impact is Morgan Freeman was a pretty good president. Um, is that and the only time he's played the president? I can't believe that's true, but also maybe. It was certainly the my first phone is, time my he phone played has, the president.
0: Yeah, my phone has died, so I can't mm. look it up. But... This is
1: also a... To- well, Google search, Morgan Freeman president. Um,
0: I mean, I would vote for him now.
1: Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, oh, no, he's in the, all those... Dot, 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 has fallen movies.
0: Olympus has fallen? Okay, that was London what I... has
1: fallen, Angel has fallen. Um
0: jerry butler i guess
1: he's technically a president in invictus but not of the united states um, god that
0: was a good movie i love an inspirational sports movie. i have not
1: seen invictus
2: <gasps> pete it's, it's so good i know it's up oh my
1: alley it's one of those that like it came out and i'm like i should see that and now oh apparently 13 years later um <laughs> i have not seen it
0: invictus is 13 years old
1: 2009 i'm gonna I would, i'm I would. i shriveling <laughs> up into dust i would have said that movie came out in 2012 which is only 10 years ago um i
0: would have said like 2017
1: oh <laughs> uh long story short morgan freeman has played president apparently multiple times but deep impact is his first and i think the one that like stuck like after that it's like morgan freeman could totally be the president in any movie correct um, yes But beyond that, it had no impact. um, Other than as being the other asteroid movie that came out the same year as Armageddon. Like it's always it's always playing second fiddle, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's what I was saying earlier is that mostly the context we talk about it in now is as the, you
2: know, redheaded stepchild of Armageddon. Yeah, totally. Did we do it?
1: I think we did it. I think we did, uh, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that, um, this is just so, this is just very, very deep dive, it's my wheelhouse, whatever, you all have to live with it, um, uh, the cinematographer for Big Trouble in Little China is Dean Cundey, an absolute powerhouse of a cinematographer who shot Jurassic Park, the cinematographer for The Rock is a guy named John Schwartzman, who, um, shot or sorry not the rock he also shot the rock but the cinematographer for armageddon is john schwartzman who shot jurassic world uh the inferior version of i was jurassic
0: gonna world. say you mean the one that i didn't the, like? the one
1: that's bad yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i watched the lost world recently i
1: saw you did and speaking <laughs> it's of, it's not good my it's notes not good my, I... my notes for deep impact include just <laughs> richard schiff uh, who is also in The Lost World.
0: Um, but I spent 15 minutes of The Lost World looking at him going, why does he look so familiar? Because he does not, but he has no beard. Mm-hmm. And that really goofed me up.
1: Yeah, but everything else about him is like, what if Toby but no beard?
0: Um, I tried very hard for The Lost World. Like for the first 20 minutes to half hour, I was like, yeah, all right. Um, It's not good.
1: I haven't seen it in forever, and my memory is that uh, the third act is real bad, like when they take the T-Rex to to L.A. or wherever. Oh,
0: yeah. No, the first act is the strongest, and it's just downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because the longer the movie goes, the more you realize, oh, you guys didn't have any new ideas. You just tried to remake the first one,
1: only it's bad now. Only it's bad, because what you need is more than just Ian Malcolm, even though he's great. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All right, well, now that we've done that tangent on The Lost <laughs> World, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else, I don't think, to to bring up about these.
0: No, I'm good. Cool. This is fun.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, this was a very fun episode. Well, uh, thank you all so much for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, all the other podcatchers. Pod uh, maybe not Spotify these days. I mean, we're on it, but, you know. I don't know you Spotify. You could pay us a hundred million dollars instead of other people that you're paying that much money. That'd be fine. We'd go exclusive with you. Um, you uh, one one of your homework assignments, as always, is to tell your friends about us and to rate and review the show. Give us a five star. Uh, smash that like button, as the kids say these days. Ah, uh, you like can and
0: subscribe. Yeah,
1: you can follow the show on uh, Twitter at dydyh podcast. Uh, also at Instagram at that same handle DYDYHpodcast. podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at uh, by searching for you know homework podcast or uh, did you do your homework podcast or by deleting your Facebook because that's the better move anyway. Uh, you can also email us at show at homeworkpodcast uh, Before we get to tell you what our next episode is about. Martha, what are you plugging? Where can people find you? On the internet.
0: Uh so you can find me in all the places at Magical Martha, including Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I also write a newsletter whenever I feel like it at tinyletter.com backslash magicalmartha. And I have something new to plug this week.
1: Ooh.
0: Uh by the time this episode drops, the first episode of my guest appearances with our good friend Dan Carlin, a friend of the pod and former guest. Uh, you can catch me on his YouTube channel over the next several weeks, uh, S-O-O-L Media, or S-O-O-L Radio,
2: Mm. uh,
0: where he and I are talking about the Best Picture nominees uh, one at a time. Our first episode, which will be up by the time this episode drops, uh, is all about the
1: power of the dog. Ooh, you're you're starting strong on that one.
0: Well, we wanted to, so the announcement, the nominees were just announced yesterday.
1: Mm-hmm. But um, you knew and the power we, of the dog was going to be a
0: correct. Yeah. We wanted to we wanted to start with one that we both had had a chance to see and that we were pretty sure was going to get nominated. Um, now that we have the nominees, some of them are easier to watch than others. But I'm <laughs> hoping that over the next couple of weeks that uh, changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, my, my biggest concerns right now are drive my car and licorice pizza. I just Um, saw
1: licorice pizza. I enjoyed it. I don't know how much you're going to enjoy it.
0: I don't think I'm going to either, but Mm -hmm. I, I will watch it and I will do my best to watch it with an open mind. I do love Paul Thomas Anderson. So I, you know, I'm coming at it from that angle. Um, but we'll see uh so yeah catch me on that i believe those episodes are going to be going up weekly until the oscars so that is going to be super fun do you have God enough
1: weeks between now and then to get them all they, in?
0: I, I think it's going to be so there are 10 nominees and i believe that there are six weeks between now and the oscars so i think it's going to end up being two episodes a week
1: sure sure cool and so what's that youtube uh channel
0: s-o-o-l radio nice stories of our lives
1: Radio. Nice.
0: Uh, What about you, Pete? Where can people
1: find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pico3000. That's P-I-K-O 3000, where I'm talking politics and pop culture. Um, Yeah, I don't know. My recent tweets are about Uh, Milwaukee's got a mayoral primary coming up soon. It's our first contested mayoral election in like 20 or first contested mayoral primary in like 20 years. Uh, So that's exciting. Um, So I'll probably be having some tweets about that and then other tweets about you know whatever random things cross my feed um, yeah
0: lately i've been tweeting about how mad i am that our governor is getting rid of our uh mask mandate at the end of february
1: haha ha, that's cute though that you had a statewide mask mandate because your governor was empowered to do things like that that's true yeah uh,
0: <laughs> yeah i feel like pritzker remembered this was an election year and he's like mm, wait
2: mm. a lot of Illinois is Republican."
1: yeah that's fair um yeah fun fun you know couple years we've been living in but (laughs) i'm so so tired (laughs) speaking of fun though our next episode is coming out shortly before the new batman movie comes out aka the batman uh which (laughs) i don't know if you saw um uh who's playing batman um our paths. Our paths. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited for him. Uh, he he said something recently that like quote the I opening scene. Could
0: not tell if you were just being sarcastic. No, or not.
1: no. My my brain was just like on a different wavelength than knowing who was playing Batman. Um, he he recently said that the opening shot of Batman is so jarring and feels unlike any other Batman movie. Where I'm just like uh huh uh huh okay. <laughs> um, anyway, the next episode is dropping before uh the new batman movie but we are still going to be talking about batman uh batman is a character who has been around for almost 100 years now like definitely 90 years and has had a lot of different permutations and variations even in cinema so we're going to be looking at three very different takes on the character of batman and the character of bruce wayne uh in the lens of cinema. And we're going to be looking at the 1989 Batman, a.k.a. the first Tim Burton Batman with Jack Nicholson as the Joker. We're going to be looking at Batman Forever, which is the one with Val Kilmer and the Riddler and Two-Face. And we're going to be looking at Batman Begins, a.k.a. the first one with uh, Christian Bale. Um, We could have had all. And Liam Neeson. And Liam Neeson, yeah. Um... We could add a bunch of others. I'm a particular fan of Mask of the Phantasm, the animated uh, Batman, the animated series movie that came out in the mid 90s. But uh, we're going to limit it to these three, Batman 89, Batman Forever and Batman Begins. So that is your homework for our next episode when we're looking at the Batman.
0: We are very, and I'm just going to, I'm going to chum the waters here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, We are releasing this, we are recording this episode before the new Batman movie comes out so that I don't have to watch
1: it. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. We have different takes on how uh, anticipating, anticipated of that movie we are. How excited we are for that movie.
0: Are you excited for it?
1: I low-key am. I think it might be are... good. I'm really interested to see what Pattinson brings to it.
0: I was until I realized that he hates the fact that he's playing Batman I don't know that might be interesting
1: anyway Anyway, we are are wildly speculating so (laughs) Uh, so Um. uh, until then um, make sure you do your homework and until we talk to you in two weeks class dismissed
2: I just, <laughs> that, I'm was a, that was so, a fun episode. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Because the point
1: of the Wayne parents is to get murdered in an alley and, um, you know.
0: God, if we never have to talk about his backstory again, it will be too soon. Yeah. Did you, have you read any of the Batman comics, like the modern stuff by, uh, Scott Snyder?
1: I think the most recent Batmans I've read are Morrison's, which at this point is going on like eight, ten years.
0: So all I could think of when Pattinson was talking about how like the opening scene of this is so shocking. There was a, like a splash page in one of the Zack Snyder Batman books. I think Not it was in a Batman Zach book. Snyder,
1: Scott Snyder.
0: Scott Snyder. Sorry. Good, I think good. it was, I think it was Scott Snyder's Batman. I don't think it was the Catwoman book, but it is a splash page of Batman railing Catwoman on a roof.
1: Oh no, that. That's like the it was it one, was right?
0: Everywhere on the internet. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and that, wasn't there some nonsense about like Batman doesn't go down on her because like that's not a Batman thing or something? No, like, that, that, was a, that was that part was part of the discourse at some point, and it was dumb that I know. That, that.
0: was I was going to say that was much sooner, and that was like DC talking about the comic, but like this was a canonical, published in a floppy that people could go buy in a store. Yeah, of Catwoman. Getting railed on a rooftop by <laughs> Batman, and that's I was like, so that's how this movie opens.
1: <laughs> let's let's be honest though, that is is that scene more or less sexy than like you know the mistletoe scenes in Batman Returns because that that movie is crazy horny. It
0: it's not a sexy it's not sexy art like it's.
1: Mm. Oh, it's like, I, it's like, it's like dour Batman art. I mean, it like looks
0: like, we can't even have looks fun like with it. Po- it looks like porn, but not in a good way. Uh, I don't know. It was written like, I mean, it, it, the art is by a dude. I don't know. As a, as a female identifying person who is also heterosexual. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't,
2: Look I don't pleasant. love that. Yeah.
0: I mean, and part of it is they're both still in most of their costume so like batman's got his fly down and catwoman is straddling him in a really weird way already
1: this is done because batman's costume should not have a fly
0: (laughs) like i mean i just i don't
1: yeah yep
0: i think it was supposed to be shocking more than it was supposed to be sexy right yeah
1: which is why i'm gonna go with like so far burton's i know you don't like it because it's aggressively anti-audience but (laughs) burton's burton's batman (laughs) returns is like maybe the hottest batman catwoman moments in batman's history
2: yeah i mean i don't disagree
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) which then also says quite a lot (laughs) about uh about the history of those two characters considering that they are frequently a will they won't they (laughs)
2: Yeah, I like I thought I Catwoman's a lesbian. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, I, I have to go I, charge my phone.
1: Cool. I was gonna say I like her most as a uh, anti-hero type. So I'm excited that Zoe Kravitz and this seems like the anti-hero rather than a, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, Anne villain. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway as gay Catwoman was the only good part of Dark Knight Rises. Bane.
1: Bane was great. No. I loved Bane. <laughs> uh but Bane and Catwoman were the only good parts of Dark Knight Rises.
0: Every time Bane op- I mean Bane's dialogue was part of the reason that I just stopped what do you watching. Mean you
1: don't like Bane.
0: No, it's not the voice. It's everything that comes out of his mouth. Mm. Just uh...
1: You don't like simplistic economic stories.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm here for a takedown of capitalism.
1: I just what about my tale of two cities.
0: <laughs> I'm going to make you I'm going to give you I'm going to lend you. The next time you're home, I'm going to lend you my books of secret 6 and you can read about the only version of Bane that I care about.
1: Mm, okay. I I've not like literally my entire Bane knowledge is like Batman and Robin was my introduction to Bane. Not great. Learn that he broke Batman's back. That's cool. Dark Knight Rises uh Harley Quinn animated thing where basically whoever's voicing Bane is doing a uh, uh, Dark Knight Rises voice.
0: Yeah, Gail Simone wrote him mm. as part of her Secret Six villain team, and he's the best. He is everyone's dad. <laughs> I love him so much.
1: I'm intrigued at the idea of Daddy Bane.
0: Yes, correct. He's like, I am large and you are small. I will take care of you. And I'm like, yes, that's correct.
1: Amazing. <laughs> All right, it's almost 10.
2: It is, <laughs> and I'm feeling loopy, so yep. I think it's time to, uh,
1: all
2: right, <laughs> Log off. good all night. Right. Have a good one. You too.